Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Great. Well, we are continuing today in our Faith, Hope and Love series and thinking again today about an aspect of, of faith. And I'm calling this morning's uh, message the trellis of faith. Now, if you've never found the trellis of faith in your Bibles, don't worry. Don't look because it's not there. But, but as I started reading a passage of scripture, as I started reading John 15, I, it came to my mind that, that the trellis of faith is something which I myself need to build and construct in my own life. So this morning we have a trellis as a visual aid. And I, I should just say that Sharon is really pleased this morning <laughs> that we've got to this particular week because she needed a new trellis for the back garden. And so a trellis visual aid is just what she needs. But just want to say this, if we get to the week and I'm, I'm preaching about, you know, like the, the curtains of love yeah. or, or, or the scatter cushions of hope, someone needs to make an intervention, right? So uh, I, th- I, I think this is just a one-off. We're on the trellis of faith this week. And I'm not much of a gardener, so if I, was, if I was sent out to buy a trellis, I would need to make sure I was buying the right piece of equipment for the job. And usually when you buy anything, there's a tag on it, isn't there, saying you know, what it is and, and what you're buying it for. And so th- th- this is what a trellis does. Okay, let, me, let me read it out. A trellis is, is to support and display climbing plants. It gives room and encourages growth upwards and outwards. It allows the light in. It reduces disease and it makes the plant less susceptible to pests that can attack it. It provides structure and it allows climbing plants to thrive. If you were a climbing plant, you'd love a trellis. They're made for you. So that's what, that's what a trellis does. And, and so I want to talk this morning about, about not a trellis for my back garden, but building together the trellis of faith. So can we turn in our Bibles to John chapter 15, please? It's important just to, just to set the scene here a little bit. John 15, this is... This is um, a conversation that Jesus is having with his followers, with his closest followers, the 12 disciples. This is occurring in, in the upper room. This is the very night before Jesus is arrested and crucified. And um, John's gospel records a number of chapters where Jesus is just saying things to his followers, saying things to his disciples. And I just want to make this point. The things that Jesus says here that are recorded are recorded for a reason. And that reason is, it wasn't a private conversation between 13 people that isn't relevant to the rest of us. But when Jesus is speaking to his followers then, he's speaking to his followers now. And and therefore, we mustn't just write this off as saying, that's another time, another place, different people. These are words which we ourselves can take to our very heart. So John chapter 15, I'm going to read the first 17 verses. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. And what I want to do now this morning is draw our attention to, to seven things that Jesus says to and about his followers. I, I think actually there's more than seven things in that particular scripture, but I want to draw attention to seven things that Jesus says to and about his followers, because as I've been thinking about this passage, I'm asking myself the question, can I bring my own yes to everything that Jesus says here? And if so, how do I embrace all that Jesus says and all the potential and purpose that God has placed into my life so that, so that I'm fruitful in every way. The potential for fruitfulness is maximised. And how can we do that in a way that encourages one another? So I'm, I'm very much looking at this passage as something that, that I've been looking at for myself. And I've been asking myself these questions, but I think these are questions for all of us. So here's the first thing that, that Jesus says. And we're going to do them in the order they appear in the scripture, the first one, remain in me. Verse four, Jesus says, remain in me. To remain, to stay, to not leave. And it's a choice. And Jesus continues, remain in me and I in you. Yet this sounds very much like teamwork. Very much sounds like a partnership. Sounds very much like relationship. And any relationship requires you know, work, the to and fro of conversation, the, uh, the to and fro of exchanging ideas and thoughts. 
and we already have an open invitation to get to know Jesus, to enjoy relationship, to enjoy partnership with him through his word and through prayer. This isn't a word from Jesus that is a harsh word. It's not a word which says, come on, knuckle down. You must do better here. It's the word which says, come on, you and me. Let's go and produce some fruit together. So the first, the first thing that Jesus says is remain in me. Here's the second thing Jesus says. Verse 5, he says, it's I in you that produces fruit. Remain in me, but it's, it's me, it's Jesus that produces the fruit. So he, he, here he is again, he's saying, we're in this together. And all the fruitfulness in your life, I will take care of. Your job is to remain in me. Yeah. And I'm asking myself, can I bring my yes to that? Can I bring my amen? I'm in. Here's the third thing Jesus says. My father is glorified when you are fruitful. Our father in heaven himself is glorified when we live fruitful lives. You know, there's, there's, there's a couple of ways you can talk about things being glorified. There's a very worldly way which is a way of kind of bigging up something that really isn't worthy of being bigged up. There's a chant on the football terraces. You know, so it's, every football team sings it, you know, even Leicester City. We're Leicester City. We're Leicester City FC. And we're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. Testify, brother. Testify. Yeah. And they sing it at Crawley Town, and they sing it at Mansfield, and they sing it at Hereford United, they sing it at Liverpool. They're not the greatest teams the world has ever seen. But it's a glorification, it's a bigging up of something that's not really that big to start with. But that's not what we're talking about when we're glorifying God. The, di- uh, the dictionary defines the glory of God as to acknowledge and reveal the majesty and splendor of God by one's actions. He- he's-, he's already full of splendor. Yeah. It's the revealing of it yeah, yeah. that is to glorify God in our lives. And as we do that, he, he is pleased. Here's the fourth thing Jesus says. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Just listen to that again. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you. (laughs) I want to to delight in you. In your fruitfulness, I want to rejoice. That's what Jesus says. What an amazing thing. Does that just blow your mind? Yeah? And... um, and he also says that in, in the doing of that, our joy is made complete. And I was reading something that John Piper had written. He says that Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. And I like that definition. You see, joy is not just a feeling. It is a feeling, but it's not just a feeling. It's not simply an outward emotion. It's not happiness. It's something deep within. Mm. And it's not natural. (laughs) Christian joy is not natural. It is supernatural because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know, if you've never known 
supernatural joy in the Holy Spirit, you won't understand a word I'm trying to describe. <laughs> because it's supernatural. It's Holy Spirit given. And that's the kind of joy that Jesus refers to here. As we are fruitful, he rejoices in us and our joy is complete because the Holy Spirit stirs up something in us that is not of us, but it is supernatural. Matthew 13 verse 44 says this, the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. <laughs> Jesus is describing a joy which once found, you never want to lose. Can I bring my yes? Can I bring my amen to what Jesus says there? Here's the fifth thing. We're whipping through these because there are quite a few things. Here's the fifth thing. Jesus says, I chose you. Verse 16. Me? <laughs> really? Jesus chose me. Wasn't Jesus just talking to the twelve? Because we know he definitely chose them because the Gospels tell us all about it. But no, Jesus chose me. In fact, Paul, writing to the Ephesians, he just makes it really clear to us that this isn't a private conversation between 13 people over dinner. This is Jesus speaking to all of his followers. Because Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 4, For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I have been chosen. I have been chosen. Listen, we have been chosen. If we've said that we have chosen to follow Jesus, if we're trusting in him for the forgiveness of our sin, if we know that our relationship with God has been restored because of all that Jesus has done for us, we can declare ourselves that, that we have been chosen. Can I bring my yes to that? Am I really sure, deep on the inside of me, that I have been chosen? This isn't a word for other people. It's a word for me. I have been chosen. You have been chosen. Here's the sixth thing he says. Jesus says, I have appointed you. Again, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. We have all been chosen and appointed for purpose. Do you know, there is no greater calling in all of time and eternity than to be appointed by Jesus for good works. Amen. Do you know this? It's a greater calling than career. <laughs> Careers are important. Work is important. We need to provide for ourselves and for our families. But it's not a greater calling as being a follower of Jesus. Right. <clears throat> Family are important. It's important that we are in families. There are mothers, there are fathers. There are children being brought up well. But actually, our calling to follow Jesus is a greater calling than to lead a family, be part of a family. Those are great things. It's great to have hobbies, isn't it? And it's great to enjoy things in our leisure time. <laughs> and we do that. There's nothing wrong with it. 
But the greater calling, by far, is to follow Jesus because there's purpose in it. He's appointed us to do things. We're here for a reason. He's chosen us and he's called us. And, and really, how dare I say, I'm speaking to myself here, how dare I say that there's anything in my life that's any more important than the call of God? He's appointed us. That's the sixth thing. And here's the seventh thing. Number seven. Jesus says, verses 12, verse 17 as well, love one another. Verse 12, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Let's just remember the context here. This is the very night um, before Jesus was arrested and was crucified and died the next day. Jesus would have known that at the time. No greater love than someone have when they lay down their life for his hand. He literally, the next day, would lay down his life for his friends. And, and not the 12 friends in the room, but for everyone who would come to know him as Lord and Saviour. And he would adopt and say, we're friends. He wants us to love one another like that. He really wants us to love one another like that. You know, Jesus loves the church. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus really loves the church. Just say again, Jesus really, really loves the church. Jesus is passionate about the church. He gave his life for the church. And he wants us to love the church like that. To see the church as being as special and as precious to ourselves as it is to him. In the way we love each other, the way we care for one another, the way we nurture one another, the way we encourage one another, the way we are present with one another. Mm. Ephesians chapter 5. This is where, G, where Paul is giving instructions to husbands. <laughs> and he's talking about uh, how husbands are to love their wives. He says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy. Can I bring my yes to that? As part of this local body of believers, can I bring my yes to that? And if Jesus is the vine, and he declares that we are the branches, and he says that we will produce much fruit if we remain in him, then surely the least I can do is build a suitable trellis. A structure that's going to support all that Jesus has said. A structure that's going to support me in my living out my life with him. A structure that gives room for expansion, upwards and outwards. A structure that allows light in. Yeah, I'm not bound by darkness, but allows light in. A structure that reduces disease, less susceptible to pests that attack. You know, if we're followers of Jesus, we will be under attack. Not, not from pests, but from the devil himself. And um, remaining in Jesus, building a structure to enable us to live in the light and to 
avoid the attack of the enemy is absolutely vital for us. And it allows climbing plants to thrive. Don't you want to thrive? Yes. Don't you want to produce much fruit? Yes. Yeah. So the least I can do in the light of all that Jesus says is to, is to build a trellis of faith. If Jesus has said it, can I decide myself to live in the truth of what he's said, even when I can't see all the evidence right now of what will happen? You know, the Bible is full of people who chose to respond to what God said, despite not seeing the evidence of the t- at the time of all that would occur. In Hebrews 11 It says this, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof or conviction of what is not seen. So so God said to Noah, Noah, I'd like you to build a boat in this valley. So Noah built a boat. And he said to Abraham, I want you to pack up your home and I want you to start travelling. I'm going to show you where to go. So Abraham did that by faith. And he said to Moses, I don't want you to settle for life in finery, in a palace in Egypt. There's a calling on your life. And and so the Bible says that that, um, Moses chose not to be recognised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he knew there was a call on his life. By faith, he made a change. Joshua, I want you to lead these people around a city. And I want you to sing and play trumpets. But in faith, Joshua obeyed God. The Bible is full of people who made a faith choice despite not seeing the the end right at the beginning. And I believe that I want to do that. And I'd like to believe we can encourage one another to do that too. So this is what Jesus says as we build our trellis of faith. It says, remain in me. There it is. A little bit tiny. It's like being an optician today. But, uh, remain in me. He says, it's I, Jesus, in you that produces fruit. He says, my Father is glorified when you are fruitful. He says, my joy is in you. You're my delight and your joy will be complete. Jesus said, I've chosen you. He says, I've appointed you. And he says, love one another. And as we take all those things to our heart, we can ourselves and our own lives build the trellis of faith. It's really vital for us to know this. All of the time. And especially as we're entering this season of mission together. You see, we want to be fruitful together. We don't want to have one person being fruitful and the rest of us watch. But no, we're a community of followers of Jesus and together we want to be fruitful. We want to know all of us that we're counted in. He's chosen all of us. He's appointed all of us. We can all glorify God together. And there's much that we 
need to give ourselves to over the next few weeks. And some of it will be out of our comfort zone a bit. And some of it will be hard work. But that's okay. Because there's no greater calling in our life than to be followers of Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of Paul's words in Philippians 3. And his say, he says that his goal is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And he continues, not as I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have already been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.